You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1114 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by the good folks at McDonald's. McDonald's has always been just more than a place to get tasty and affordable food. It's also an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Today's podcast will be myself and Tyler Jones with a lengthy conversation. Always fun to have Tyler on the show, and he's a fan favorite. If you're a new listener, you may not have heard from Tyler just yet, but uh, every so often I bring him on. He is a Hawks fan, but a very knowledgeable one. Uh, follows the team extremely closely and uh, sort of the voice of the fan in a lot of ways, but I really always enjoy talking to Tyler. I know I, I, I sort of joke about it, but he's definitely been a fan favorite on the podcast, and I always appreciate his insights. One note before I hand it over to that conversation, um, there was sort of a corrupted audio file, so that's on me, uh, but my apologies. Apologies for the lack of audio quality on this particular episode. My audio is clear. Tyler's is less so. Hopefully you can make it through the uh, interview. But obviously we talked for quite a long time. So I don't want to scrap it and do it again after the, after the fact. So it is uh, listenable. It's not exactly perfect quality. But uh, that's on me. So my apologies for that. And hopefully it was not too distracting as you're about to listen to the podcast. But uh, hopefully we'll have that fixed next time we have Tyler on the podcast. But uh, regardless, that was uh, the one note that I had. And uh, without further delay, I will hand it over to myself and Tyler Jones for a conversation about the Hawks after their four and eight start. I am joined now by a good friend of the podcast, Tyler Jones. It's been a little while, and uh, I'm not sure if you've heard, Tyler, but the Hawks are four and eight, and it's not going all that well right now. Welcome back. Braves won the chip. What, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> it's true. Braves uh, won the chip. 26 years. Excise those Astros demons. Brad, do you remember? Was it? Oh, man. Uh, I can't remember. What, what, which one was the Carlos Beltran? Uh, NLDS was it 04 or 05? I want to say 05. I think that was 04. But it might have been Chris, Chris, Chris Burke is 05. Anyway. Oh, it might it might have been 05 because I was at I was at I was at uh, a high school football game, uh, Mary Blue Devils, and like they we it, it was like a 15. Was it? Didn't they go like 15 innings or some shit or something? My bad, but uh, you're good. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was, there's a few like that. Like, they, lo- they lost yeah. in 18 in 2005, and, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. Beltran was – like, that – because I remember because they kept updating the score uh, for the extra inning game. So, that might have been 05. But 04, Beltran haunted my nightmares, man. That man absolutely cooked the Braves. I, I still hate – I still hate him to this day. I'm happy he got the lead for these cheating. <laughs> A strong start um, to this podcast. Carlos like, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that he kept his bat on the shoulder for the Mets. You know, bailed them because he he was the best. He was the best baseball player I've ever seen that whole four season. So uh, that him and then Mookie Betts last year, which that 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 was that was a mess. So I'm happy the Braves, you know, got one finally. You know, you know people think it's a fluke or whatever because they only won 88 games. But shout out to Double A, like he uh, he made the trades and the bullpen, the pitching got better, and like it all came together for him. So happy for the Braves. Not not as big as a fan as I used to be, which is unfortunate. That's not my fault. That's their fault. That's <laughs> gonna uh, say. Uh, <laughs> I had a feeling that was gonna come out, but uh, yeah, that ain't, that ain't my fault. I have uh, the uh, I, have, I have the theory that, of course, my my pet theory is that the Hawks and Braves can't be good at the same time, and. 
but now the Braves have already won, so the Hawks can start winning now. They don't have to keep losing to keep. The yeah, I think the, the Hawks are going to follow are trying to follow what the Braves did this year. So I hope they'll they'll get it again. I mean, the only like optimistic thing I'm going to say is that the Hawks are going to play better. This schedule is going to get a lot easier. So, uh, but they are going to play better. They're not. They're not. They're way better than this. Like this is. Uh, this has been really bad. It's it is bad. It is I mean, the, the positives is that Trey Young and John Collins have been good. And uh, Brokey's been okay. He's rounding in the form. Kevin Hurd is also rounding in the form. Uh, Dylan Wright's been a positive. Uh, hopefully he stays in the rotation. I, I I don't know if you disagree with this, but I think Nate was just trying to get Lewis and Burns just to just to give him a solid, like, five games so he's not yanking him in and out of the rotation, see what he got, just try to see what's what. Like, I don't, I think that was, like, planned in preseason or whatever, like, they were going to do something like this. Uh, but hopefully that's over, because, like, Dylan Wright has to be in the rotation. Like, he's been, he's been one of the few, very few bright spots outside of Trey and John in the sense that, you know, he's not going to, he's not a scorer, and he doesn't make, you know, open three-pointers at a rate that you'd like. But, like, he's just a good basketball player, and they really need his toughness and physicality, something that they're, as a team, they're just not playing that physical. Like, they're they're just, they're, it's too easy to, it's been too easy to go through them physically on, on when they're on defense and on offense. Like, they're just settling, settling for too much, um, not forcing the issue, getting discouraged by the referees like it's just it's been pretty bad from uh from like an execution standpoint from moral standpoint but like i mean like i said the positive they got a lot more talent this they're a better basketball team they'll play better uh but uh you know it, it, hopefully once once the schedule lets up a bit and they get some home games and maybe that'll get maybe that'll get them going yeah, I mean, you know me, famous optimist, but I was talking about this today on Twitter, and, you know, the Hawks have played the second most difficult schedule in the entire NBA right now. Now, it's early season caveats. Uh, they still shouldn't be getting run out of the gym by some of these teams. You know, losing by double figures uh, regularly is not a good situation for a team that's supposed to be competing this year. But they have had a tough schedule, eight games on the road, four games at home. And if you look at the, if you look at the numbers, like the deep numbers, a lot of them are very similar to last season. Like, Offensively, they're basically identical with like turnover rate and offensive rebound rate. And then defensively, like their weaknesses are still the same weaknesses. Like turnover rate on defense is still very low. That's been I was kind of their worst thing last year. There's not a very like havoc causing team, but defensive rebounds been pretty good. But there's a couple of key things. Um, you know, they're obviously making a lot less shots and getting the line a lot less on offense. And then on defense, they're just not contesting shots, or at least um, they've been unlucky or both in terms of just shots going in against them. Um, and we can get into, like, why that is, and we can talk about it. Uh, I do want – I mean, you kind of got into it there, but before we get into anything else, I do want to ask you, uh, you know, kind of where your panic meter is because um, – not that I'm surprised, but there were a lot of people in the last couple of nights, granted, it was, you know, not some not fun losses, but that were really seeming to press the panic button – in my mentions and sending me notes and things and like really like actively worrying about like missing the playoffs and all this stuff. Uh, are you at all panicking or is it just like kind of uneven right now? What's today's date? It is November 10th as we record this. Uh, 
<laughs> when, when is when is the All Star break? When is the All Star break, Brad? Uh, it's it's about three months from now. Oh, okay. So it's mid mid February is the All Star break generally. So and we got what twenty seven more games before they reach the halfway point of the season of forty one games. So if you're asking me if I'm panicking, no. Uh, but am I frustrated? Absolutely. Well, that's, that's obvious. <laughs> they should be a lot better than this. This is embarrassing. And I'm frustrated for a number of reasons. I, I think my biggest one has to do with Pensacola. Like, this is just... You have a nice uh, love-hate relationship with Capella, Capella's going to owe me money at the end of the year, apparently. Like, that's just, that's just what's going to happen. I'm just going to have to take the L on it. But, like, <laughs> goodness, man. Like, this is this slow start. I didn't. I I I should have read the tea leaves a bit better. Then this might have happened. Nate McMillan, say say what you want about Nate, how Nate talks to the media and how maybe he's not as forthright as the as Lloyd was. But like, I mean, he told us he told us at the beginning of, of training camp that these guys aren't in shape. Like he said it, and it's not it's not just um, a lot of these guys had some type of procedure after the season ended or. And, like, the season only ended for them, what, two months ago? Or some change, two or three months ago, like in July? August. Yeah, August for them. So, like, you know, they – I mean, think about this. Like, normally, August is when, you know, they kind of, quote, unquote, report in the camp. They were playing playoff games. And, and like, Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, and Coach – Hello. All had some type of elective surgery, plus a Congo did. So yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that's players. four four of their top seven guys probably, plus their lottery pick from last year. So you know, obviously that's uh, goes without saying, but that's that's a lot of impact. You know, and because it wasn't Trey and it wasn't John, it didn't quite get the attention that maybe you and I put on it. But you know, when half of your rotation basically is missing the entire offseason and and still out in a training camp, like that does matter on some level. Yeah, it matters. They're just not physically where they – they're not physically where they think they should be, uh, some of these guys. Um, so, you know, that's going to get better. It's going to get better when their schedule gets easier. Like, it's tough playing eight row games. And then, you know, this schedule hasn't been kind to them. They should have beat the Suns. Quite frankly, frankly Brad, they should have beat the Warriors, too. Like, that game that, – they had that game. Um, but I mean, it just goes to like the mental toughness of this team just has not been there. Bogdanovich, all, all of them have to stop complaining about calls, but especially Bogdanovich, because what he does, he compounds it by committing stupid fouls when he doesn't have to, or not doesn't get back on defense, and it's just like, like. I don't know if Bokey realizes this or not, but he's one of the leaders of the team. Like, it's not just Trey Young. Like, they take, like they take their toughness from Bogey's one of the toughest guys on the team. But you're the, you're also out here complaining, you know. Like that that has that trickle down effect, and everybody just starts doing it. Like DeAndre Hunter has to stop complaining. Like, I mean, I, he's not committing fouls when he's getting gold. It's frustrating for him. I get it, but like. They got to get over it, you know? Um, 
they just have to get over that. They have to get over themselves when it comes to the officials and not worry about it. I, you have to think that at some point they're going to start calling more fouls um, when they're driving to the rim. But them not like their officials, it's, 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 it's not like the officials, they've been, they have been kind of just like they're not getting, I don't think, a fair call whistle when they drive to the rim, uh, particularly Trey Young, where he's just not getting fouled anymore, apparently. And it's, you know, it's kind of frustrating for him. But, you know, Trey plays through it. But these other guys have to play through it, too. Like, they, they just have to be smarter and they just have to be tougher uh, mentally there. But, like, that, that, mental, that mental fortitude isn't, hasn't been there because they aren't there physically. And when you're not there physically, like, it's just so easy to just opt out. And that's what I've, I've like, opt out from the game. That's what I felt like Stella has been doing uh, until the Utah game where he actually competed. Um, he was still getting outplayed by Hassan Whiteside thoroughly, which was embarrassing. But, like, at least he was fighting back a bit, uh, which is something he hadn't been doing um, against other teams where he was just, like, like, if things weren't going his way, like, he just wasn't playing out the string. And, I mean, it's tough. Like, they need Pella to be great, and he has been bad. Like, that's – that, and that difference is why they're getting boat raised instead of, you know – yeah. Either beating these good teams or 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 beat like thoroughly beat. Like they were like the next game too, like it's same same deal. Like it's just like they get they get in this rut on offense, shots don't go down, they get frustrated, it bleeds into their defense. They're giving up they then they start getting up these dribble penetration. Capello's just not where he needs to be physically, and and so then it's just this this snowball effect of bad things compile on each other and then all of a sudden you look up you're down 10 points i do think that you know and i, I know you're not saying this but there are a lot of maybe not a lot some of the stuff i've been seeing is like just blaming capella for everything and like i, I will say that if there is a if there is one player that has been the biggest swing in ter- in terms of negative impact this year and ter- from where we thought they would be it's definitely capella just because of how important well, he is I- um, it, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a two front issue because every minute Capello's on the floor is every minute when, when John Collins on the floor with him is every minute John Collins just can't destroy teams at the rim. Because John, like, I mean, you watch it in these games, like he's fading to the corner uh, on these fast, fast break opportunities to give Capello the runway. Um, and it's like, yeah, John can make that shot and like he's a good shooter now and all that, but you know, John does his best work rim run, and he can't rim run when Capella's on the floor, especially when they're playing great rim protection. And so, like, we're we're losing that on offense, and like, you know, Capella's finishing issues. Which, I mean, I don't know. Like, he he can't dunk anymore apparently. So until he can dunk, he's just going to be bad on offense, and he can't pass. He just has a lot of weaknesses on offense, and it's. Really bad when he's not finishing these opportunities that Trey setting him up for. Um, but then on, you know, we go on the defensive side of the ball. They need his rebound. That's why he's playing because they functionally as a as a team, the good rebounders are John Collins, Clint Capella, and Kevin Herter. In that order, everybody else is like mediocre. Bogey's fine, or like. Bad for their position. Younger Hunter has been a bad defensive rebound for his career, 
and it's showing up again now. Um, he needs to be better at rebounding, defensive rebounding. Um, just just so that it's not so Capella Collins reliant. Because like if we're switching more, John Collins is going to be on the perimeter more. He can't help out on the glass. Somebody else has to take on that. Somebody else has to high point the basketball and, get, and just snatch the ball out the air if John's not going to do it. And like you really see the lack of that, you know, burst from you know Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, like in particular, like they're just not. They're not the A1 athletes that you would like for your wing players to be. And it shows up in different ways for uh for the both of them. You know, with Cam, it's just a bit it's just too easy to beat him physically to his spot on really on both ends, but really seeing it out on defense. Um and then with DeAndre, like just the like the lack of burst, um, you know, on offense leads him to settle for these mid-ranges and then on defense. Like he just doesn't get blocks and steals at the rate that you would like him to do. You know, he's really he's been I still think he's been pretty good on, at the point of attack in general. But like you you'd like him to be more of a, a havoc creator. Um and and to me, like maybe and this is where, you know, Bogey's gonna wanna dial down the pod and maybe put on mute for the next five or ten minutes or so. But I, I really think Nate, just to get some defensive stability, might want to think about putting sort of Herder for Bogdanovich for defensive purposes. And then also have Bowie like anchor the second units, which they cannot score without trading on them. So we are back to square one. Five, four years in a row now. Trey Young goes off the floor. They, they, they just don't have anybody who can get to the – they don't have anybody who puts pressure on the defense on the offensive end, uh, on that back line unit, who, who hunts three-pointers like Bogey does, who, you know, or, like, can really just beat a man off the dribble. Like, they just don't have that on the second unit. Like, it's a bunch of good basketball players, but they're guys who are better served if they're playing alongside Trey Young. But Trey Young can't play 48 minutes. You know, I've been talking about, you know, the this unit has looked its best when John Collins has anchored it. Yep. But that goes that goes back into my issue with Capella. Like the Capella Gallo units have been bad because neither of those guys are good athletes. And so then you're playing a lineup of Trey Young, Bogey, DeAndre, insert your two wings, doesn't matter. Gallo, Capella, they're getting beat physically because John Collins not there. Like, like the, the the issue I'm seeing from my point of view is like John Collins and Trey Young can't play 48 minutes tonight. Somebody else has to do something. Like, they, I mean, somebody else has to be play up to their standard. Like, Capella has to be better until a Congo gets healthy, and that's not going to happen until late December, early January. I I've been thinking like maybe they just need to insert Jalen Johnson to get some type of athleticism on the floor when John isn't in the game. You know, Gallo. I, I, I don't know if Gallo's looks bad is playing poorly or just because he doesn't have the cover of having an athletic big behind him. You know, I, I think right now the only lines that Gallo can work with are playing alongside John Collins. But you play him alongside John, you know, how are you going to grab a defensive rebound if John Collins is your run protector? Who's going to get it? Like on this team, like it's just a lot of, like the combinations aren't working right now. I still do think that they should 
um, stagger Trey and John. I think that's a simple solution. Agreed. Um, just to some, just to just to get some type. But I mean, they. I, it's not like they didn't do it, even though it was due to foul trouble. But they did it against Utah Jazz. But this goes to another issue this team is having. Like they, they, they're not playing with any real identity. It's a bunch of they're playing like Cam Reddish has got to stop playing like a my two K player, flat out. Like he's got to start playing team basketball. John Collins on the floor. He's the by far the best offensive player on the floor on these second units in the Jazz game. It can't be your time. Like you can't just come down here and just take bad jump shots or try try to attack Gobert, the greatest rim protector possibly in NBA history. You know, and try to finish around him. It's like you got to be smarter. Like you got to play. You gotta play to your strength. Your strength right now is a, as a catch and shoot guy, and you actually have shown some ability as a movement shooter. Lean into that more instead of dribble. Like I, that's what I kind of want Cam to do. Is like he's. It's not like it's all bad. He does good stuff, but his bad shot attempts is a morale killer because they don't get back on defense because they don't expect him to take this shot. He takes it, and now that everybody's flat footed, there's just like a lot of small things are they're missing out on they're not really playing the passing just has been really bad throughout the team that's why i'm like man get jalen johnson in here insert some typicality insert some athleticism some opportunity to get out on a fast break and create some havoc like they just need they need somebody to do that for this team and like i mean if Gallup's going to play only seven minutes you know why not throw why not throw Jalen Johnson out here? Like if if we're gonna if we're if we're if Nate's already looking at it like teams are making it a point to attack Gallo and like our defense like Capella's not good enough right now. Why not just throw Jalen Johnson out there? We'll have more with myself and Tyler in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors today on the podcast, the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and much more in terms of props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the basketball football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. For basketball, football, baseball, postseason stuff, NHL, boxing, UFC, tennis, golf, favorite casino games, and much, much more. Do not wait to take advantage of any of the amazing offers available to you this season because everything that you could want and much, much more is at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. They mentioned after the game on Tuesday, you know, when it was asked about why Gallo played so little. And, you know, I I had the same suspicion, but he just kind of said, you know, it's matchups and try to play small ball and play defense and match up. And, you know, I didn't blame him. Like, playing small there makes some sense. And, you know, obviously it seems like Nate, uh, you know, trusts, you know, Solo or even TLC more than maybe he would want to play Jalen Johnson. But um, I, I do think that Gallo being the guy he's been so far is uh, limiting, let's just say. You know, he fit very well with the Kong Wu last year. Kong was not available. Capella, and we talked about earlier. So that's one of those things. I mean, there's all kinds of, like, personnel things you know, we talked about capella as the, as the primary one like i think the the wing group as a whole has to be better i mean i think everyone knows that but um we saw herder take a step forward last night bogey like you said earlier is running in a form a little bit but the four of them 
Um, now, obviously, some injury stuff with Bogey and Hunter as well. But the four of them have to be better, um, particularly on defense. Like, I know most yeah. of the attention on the wings is always going to be on their offense and whether they're shooting the ball well and all that stuff. But, you know, when you have Trey and you have that, you know, what you have to account for, you got to be pretty good on the wings defensively. And, yeah, Capella has been a problem defensively compared to his normal stuff. But the point of attack stuff has been bad. And you can't afford that with their roster construction. Like, you can't have multiple spots that you're worried about. And all four of those guys, to varying degrees, have the ability to defend better than they have so far. I mean, even Herter probably has not been as good this year as he was last year at times. Hunter, you know, has been hot and cold. He had the great night against Luke on, in the opener, but he's had some he's had some shaky nights. Cam's been gambling like he always does, but there's been some nights where you watch him and it's like, what is he doing on defense? So they have to be better on, on defense too. Like offense, I think it'll come. Um, you know, there are questions, like you said, you know, camp shot selection, even Hunter shot selection sometimes. Um, Herter obviously had the terrible start offensively as well, but um, it's a two-way problem on the wing. I yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, flat out the wing, the wing. I mean, the wings have been bad. Like they just, as a whole, they haven't been good. Uh, currently, I I watched I watched Solomon Hill make a bounce pass that led to a Herter layup. <laughs> I don't know which game that was. I was like, a wing is able to. I think it was last night. I think it was Tuesday night. Should Solomon Hill play over, over like DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish right now, so, so we can get some passing on this team? Like somebody just to make a pass? Like, like how many assists does DeAndre Hunter have? Less than five. Uh, the the assist numbers for the entire team are not very high. I mean, not that they ever were. This is not the greatest passing team in the it's world not, outside yeah, of trade. Not, but they're not they're not the Warriors. Like they they they're, they're never going to be the Warriors. In terms of passing, but like, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with, with DeAndre. Like this, he's not reading. Like to me, I'm watching him. He's not. He's just not reading the floor. Like he's just not. Like he's he's reading his matchup. If he feels like he has an advantage, he's putting his head down and, and like not looking. Like because it's just too often. Like he's he's getting dribble penetration, but he's not passing it out to get a better shot. Like, it's too much. It's too much, okay, I'm trying to score here instead of, as a as an individual, instead of I'm trying to get the best shot available as a team, whether that be from myself or somebody else. And, like, they, they just got to they gotta work for better shots, like, um, offensively. Um, but, again, offense is – we can talk about that, but the offense has been good enough. Like, I mean, it's not – it's, it's not, not like league average. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's not – I feel like I say almost every night on the show, people are probably annoyed by that, but, like, the offense has not been bad. It's been just it's kind of been, okay. It's been, but it's been dis- – for them, it's been disjointed, and that's leading to easy opportunities for the defense because of, their, because of just how not clear they've been on the offensive end of the floor. I don't know. I mean, it's just like a lot of small things. Like, you start – John Collins doesn't miss a shot the first half. <laughs> you start the second half for a DeAndre Hunter pin down that leads to a, a mid-range two-point jumper. And it's like, what what are we doing? There are lots John, of mid-rangers. John, John Collins ends the game with one shot attempt in the second half. I, I don't – Things that can help them, small things they can do, is lean on John a bit more. Can we get that man's usage percentage back to where it should be, which is around twenty-two percent, please? 
Like, can we use him as if we're paying him $25 million plus dollars? Oh, I have, um, I, have a, I have a stat for you, by the way, because you're right about this. Um, his usage rate is 17.7% right now, which is just like way, way, Lord. way too low. Uh, but here's – go back to what we, what we were just talking about, not to derail it, but uh, did you know that at this moment, after 12 games, the number two player in assists per game on the roster is John Collins? It's John Collins. Yeah, I know. It's It's been like that. And, like, credit to him, he's still making the right play. He's giving the ball up. Like, he's – He's doing the thing. He's he's showing the real improvement that you wanted to see from him as a playmaker, um, and he's been incredible. Like he's been, I, I, I don't know if you want to agree agree with this, Brad, but I think he's been the best player on the team. I said um, it. Yeah, I said it the other night. I, I mean, I think that Trey has been good this season. Yeah, he's been good. He's uh, been good Trey, but he's, he's but, but Trey has not been like you know way above his own baseline. I think Trey's basically been the trade that he usually is with a few less free throw attempts. And that's basically what he's been. And that's obviously a very, very good player. So don't hear him. Don't hear him. What I'm not saying. Trey has been one of the, one of the brighter spots, but I do think that Collins is the only guy on the team, like on the entire team that I would say is playing like notably well compared to what you expect from them. And yeah, I mean, when you throw in defense, I think that Collins has almost certainly been the best player on the team so far this year. And that's not, again, not a shot at Trey. doesn't mean that John's now better than Trey in my mind, because I don't think that's true, but I think, through 12 games, I would say he's been the, he's been the best player. I mean, I, I love the mentality that he's, he keeps competing out there, like, and he keeps competing defensively even when he doesn't get the ball. Like, Utah game, for whatever reason, the game plan was just not to involve him at all. So, okay. But, like, defensively, like, when they're down a billion points in the fourth quarter, he's still taking charges, still rotating, still fighting for rebounds, like, still doing his job, like, still has that mentality that every possession matters in that. You know, one thing could change could change the whole game. Um, it would just be nice if the other guys could follow him. But like that goes back to my point. You know what we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast. Like five of our what four or five of our seven best basketball players are either not available or are coming back from injury. And like until they physically feel better, their mentality just not going to be there. So we'll. We'll see, Brad. Like, but they overall, like, they really do need to look at some stuff and get Collins just the ball. Because, like, I mean, even against the Warriors, like, they were missing shots. Like, the run came when they the Warriors came back when the Hawks started missing shots, but they were getting good shots. Like, Collins was getting the ball. They were trapping him. He was releasing the ball, and they were getting open shots. They like they just didn't make that happen. But like the process was sound. The process is poor when I watch Cam Reddish come down the floor and just decide it's his time to uh, uh, take take control of the possession, dribble the ball off his foot, and give up an easy fast break opportunity. Or or DeAndre Hunter, John Collins sets the screen. The defense doesn't respect Collins as a roller. Like the the role opportunity for these Hunter Collins screens has been there, and he's made the pass before. He's just not making it right now. That's what's frustrating me because like it's available for him, but he's not making the pass because he's just not confident in his passing right now. And so instead, it leads to a bad outcome on all counts, even if he does make the shot. 
he's had multiple opportunities where he he gets a dribble penetration. He has a guy open in the corner. The defender helps off the strong side corner. He has the opportunity to make the pass, but he's not even look like he he's only seeing the rim and his man. He's not seeing the rest of the floor right now. And like Hunter, he's not like some super elite passer, but he's way better. Than that. And he's been better throughout his career. Like this is not good, and it's just. Everybody's just making the game harder than it needs to be right now on offense. And I feel like – and that, in turn, booms into their defense uh, because, again, there's still a bunch of babies, apparently, and that if they're not making shots or if they're not getting the ball, their defense lags. Uh, you see that most notably in our wings right now, including Bogey and Erder. Like, they do it too. And so, like, they just have to be more consistent or – like Nate might want to think about playing Dylan Wright more alongside Trey Young to get another ball handler, consistent ball handler on the team, plus a guy who's going to play hard defensively. I've been impressed with Dylan Wright's defense. I think he's been really good defensively. I think he needs to play more. They they need to get more defenders onto the floor. If if like to me, I'm like, okay, we're not playing Jalen Johnson because of X, Y, and Z. That's fine. Why is Cam Reddish getting all these minutes and opportunities? when he's clearly breaking away from what the team wants to do. I said this during the preseason, and it's now bled into the rest of the team. Like, now the rest of like, you'll see it. Cam will go on these stretches, and all of a sudden, Bogey will go through these stretches where he's not even looking to pass the ball. And it's like, come on, guys. You guys are better. You guys are better, smarter basketball players than this. I need you guys to be better than this. Um, I have I have a question for you about the wings, but before we get to that, I need to hear from a, our sponsors on the show. So we'll be right back, and uh, here's a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Locked On Hawks podcast is brought to you by McDonald's, and McDonald's has been proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than a place to just get tasty and affordable food. It is much more than that, in fact. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. It's a place where classmates can come meet for a study group, knowing that they can depend on the Wi-Fi and the endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. It's a place where teams and competitors and home teams and away teams rivals and anybody in between come to recharge and it's a place where you can look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel mcdonald's has been great for me for a very very long time i'm a fan of all kinds of things on the menu and a sneaky thing for a sports writer slash podcaster like myself is that the dependable wi-fi is a huge huge bonus i can sit there i can eat great food and also work at the same time and i'm always on the go so mcdonald's being all over the place and very convenient and very tasty is a home run for me with all that said, you can head to the local McDonald's right now to refuel and connect. And honestly, it might even be a great spot for a Locked On Hawks watch party. Check out McDonald's today. I'm loving it. Tyler, I teased it before we went to break. Uh, I have to ask you, because, you know, we, we talked about the Wings and how well they are not playing for the most part on the whole. Uh, one of the questions that I got, and I'm going to pivot it to you on this show, maybe I'll talk about it even more later on, is like what I would do to change it. Like, would you change the rotation like would you play somebody more i've said on the record i think that herder needs to play more than reddish and that's the first thing that i would do is kind of just emphasize that um particularly right now but you know beyond that like would you change the lineup like how would you handle that or do you just rely on those four guys just being better i would seriously consider starting herder for bogey just to like I said, I mean, I said that earlier in the pod. Just I would consider yeah. it. I, you know, and I think I think strong about doing it, um, just so to get more defensive verve on on onto the floor. Do Another you remember last who, year when they started? Um, 
in, in, in the playoffs when Nate finally kind of waved the white flag and like truly staggered Trey and Bogey and had all had one of them on the floor at all times, and that really helped to bridge the bench unit because Bogey is kind of more comfortable as like a primary like number one option type on offense than Herder seems to be. Um, that that's part of it too. Like I'm not. I still think that Bogey is better than Herder, honestly, on the whole, right now, today. Oh, absolutely. I but so well. I, I tend to agree that, like, that's a potentially logical change because I think Herder is better with the starters. And I think that when, I mean, it's kind of a small sample size, but when Nate finally did it last year, to make sure that Bogey, who was red hot at the time, of course, um, was always on the court when Trey wasn't. That seemed to work as well because then, you know, Bogey's not shy, man. Like, he'll go out and he's okay being the number one option on offense. He's okay taking some volume. And Herter, like last night, Herter was very aggressive. But some nights he's not, and that happens. Bogey is usually more consistently um, comfortable in that kind of role. So, I mean, in addition to what you just said also, the defense is maybe even more important, is that Herter is a better defender than Bogey um, and a more, I don't know, I don't know if willing is the right word, but more attentive. I'm not sure. Even, I don't think Bogey's terrible or anything, but I do think that so far this season, that backcourt defense has left a lot to be desired with uh, with yeah. Trey and Bogey. So um, I, I think that's uh, it does make sense. I, I wonder if that's even considered because, uh, to, and I'll let you finish this, but um, I'm sure you remember this, but Bogey does not enjoy coming off the bench. Uh, Bogey was not happy at all last season when he was coming off the bench. He was pretty vocal about it. It was not a secret. He really, really, really did not like coming off the bench. So I wonder so if that I, is part he, of it, too. He needed, he needed to start a podcast now when <laughs> I initially said it. But, yeah, like, go, go back to staggering Trey and Bogey. I think that's an obvious – that's probably something he should be doing, get rid of these all-bench lineups. Um, oh, lower the bench lineups. That was, that was on my list to ask you about the uh, full bench units because – it's driving me crazy. Everybody knows this. I said I said it almost every day of my life, but it's uh, it's driving me nuts. Yeah, I mean, get get out from that. But I see what Nate's trying to do. He's trying to get these guys familiar with playing with each other, and so he's trying to force the issue with these all base lineups. But like, they're not working. He's a big believer in that too. Like that's why they didn't start Cam yesterday. I mean, people people hated it. But that's why he didn't start Cam is because he just be- Nate believes in like playing with certain combinations. He, he didn't start Cam because Cam hasn't been good. Well, but, that 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 too. But you know, wh- whenever you see Solo starting on a night when Cam is healthy and Cam's not starting, the reaction is predictable. But the the number one reason is that you know Nate is committed to having Cam in this like bench. You know, offensive engine kind of role. I don't, I don't know if I love that, but it's that's what that's what they're doing. Yeah, I, I, I wish for that to be Bogey or John Collins, or maybe Bogey and John Collins together. You know, something like that. If it, or I mean, if you're committed to not, if you're committed to just having Trey Young and John Collins on the floor at the same time all the time, fine. Like there, there, there have been there have been stuff. I mean, that's such a deadly combination. I get it. Um. Fair, but get Bogey back on the second unit to anchor yeah. these offenses. Yeah, and or you could also, and they've done it a few times. Uh, you know, they kind of pulled Gorgie from the rotation for the most part in some some of these matchups. But they could also more openly stagger Collins and Capella, um, and maybe both. But you know, that's that way you have Capella playing with Trey, which I think makes sense um, because Trey can help Capella's offense, and also Capella helps Trey on defense. But then also you get the benefit of having Collins 
as more of a focal point on the second unit of the offense. Um, and yeah, he's great with Trey. You, you don't want, you don't want to just like separate those guys forever, but it does help you to have someone who kind of bridge that gap. And also they're just kind of playing Collins as a backup center anyway, right now. So if you kind of did that more intentionally, um, start to finish where you had Collins on the floor for the 16 minutes Capella's not on the floor, that would, I think, solve some issues too. Yeah. But I mean, that goes back to the issue of the Gallo units. Now, you know, we got a diminished Capella point, and then now we got Gallo and Ari and Trey Young and potentially Bogdan Bogdanovich on the floor. That's, those <laughs> yep. lines are getting cooked. Cooked, bro. Well, and Gallo, Gallo's, Gallo's – I, well, I mean – Brad, they're getting, they're getting cooked every time John Collins leaves the floor because they're just not like, – Oh, I, I have the, the numbers. The Do you want to know the numbers on this? The physicality that – before you, before you give me the numbers, because I know they, they have to be ridiculous, but like – the physicality when John Collins is on the floor compared to when he's off is night and day. Like they just, it's just like every time he comes off the floor, teams know that they these are a bunch of wet blankets who, who are babies about foul calls, and they're not going to be super physical. We can be, we can out physical this team, uh, and that, that and that's primarily Capella's fault. Like that's I blame Capella for that. Like he has to set the tone physically for this team. It can't be John Collins and only John. But what are the numbers? Yeah, so I'm I'm going to back you up, and I think the eye test plays out plays a part on this. So this is just on off. It's too early for this to like totally matter, but it does matter in terms of what it's been. Um, for one, the Hawks, even at four and eight, have outscored opponents with calls on the floor this season. They have a positive net rating with John on the court. That's one side. Now the other side, he's the only starter that's even close to being the only rotation guy, really, the only top seven guy who's close to positive right now. Uh, and then when he's off the floor, uh, the Hawks are being outscored by 11.9 points per 100 possessions, which is basically the basically the Thunder's net rating when uh, when Collins is off the floor. Uh, and it's both it's both sides of the floor too. You know, Trey when Trey's off the court, like you said earlier, the offense has just been terrible. Uh, they're back to where they were you know two years ago, scoring 95 points per 100 possessions with Trey off the court. Um, but with John off the court, it's the offense. And the defense. The defense craters, too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you give up, you know, if you're, if you're giving up 12, if you're losing by 12 points per 100 with a guy off the court, I know it's only 200 minutes or whatever it is that he's, that he's been off the court so far this year, but it, it does feel that way. And, you know, part of that's attributed to, 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 to Capella. Part of it's that Gallo is not the guy he was last year right now. Um, part of that is not having a Kongwu. All that stuff, it's, it's definitely a whole mix, but the simple thing is that, you know, essentially Collins is the clearest on-off split on the entire team um, in terms of positive when he's on and negative when he's off. And, and the, the opposite direction, by the way, uh, is Cam. They've been terrible with Cam on the court, and they've been great with Cam off the court. And those two things, I think, are backed up by the eye test, too. I mean, I'm not saying that Cam is bad, but the numbers, uh, they're, they're, minus, they're minus 12 with Cam on and plus 5 with Cam off. So... He's been terrible. Yeah, I think they'd good. be better if he didn't play. If he didn't play, they'd be a better basketball. Well, you know, and again, flat out, you know, Brad. <laughs> if he didn't play, and you just had TLC in the game to do his damn job. Well, you like, and I Cam. talked about this early in the season. Um, I think mm-hmm. on maybe maybe on Twitter, maybe offline. But Cam, uh, we, we both like Cam. Just for the record, anybody that's new listeners, we are actually we both like Cam. Um, but early in the year, he made a bunch of like contested jump shots. And got a lot of the like, oh, Cam Reddish breakout. And if you looked at the tape, it really wasn't 
uh, all that impressive other than he was just taking a lot of shots and he made more of them than he had been making before. Um, ever since then, he stopped making those shots and defensively, he's not, he's not quite been the same guy as he was previously. So again, it doesn't mean it's kind of, it has to continue, but you're right in that despite some of the attention that he's gotten for like kind of having, you know, he's, his numbers are up in terms of his counting stats, but the impact is not positive on the court for him right now on either end of the floor. I mean, defensively, you could certainly say that he is, even with his mistakes, he's still a, you know, reasonable defender because of the plays that he makes and the steals and the passing lanes and stuff. But offensively, like, I've done it a number of times, but he has it's to... It's a morale killer. It's, yeah. a, it, it, it's what people complained about Trey Young earlier in his career. Um, well, and, the, and, and, and honestly, the, the, the biggest thing is not even... The, yes, the bad shots are can be frustrating with Cam, but the thing with him is he has, I think it's like half as many assists as turnovers this year. Like he, he just doesn't do anything else with the ball in his hands. If he has the ball in his hands, it's either going to be a like a nothing pass or it's going to be a shot attempt. Like he doesn't he doesn't create for other people. So and he's had the ball in his hands a lot. Like when Cam Reddish has a higher usage rate than John Collins, that's not what you want, man. I mean that's that's very simplified and that Cam's a perimeter guy. Coach. But and Brad, to me that's on coaching. That's on coaching. That's on the management because we knew he was going to do this. Everybody well, knew he was going to do this. <laughs> I was going to ask about Nate, but uh, yeah. I mean, Cam right now, by the way, unless you include – so Lou is technically above Cam, but Lou's played, you know, 89 minutes. If you remove Lou, Cam has the second highest usage rate on the team, and it's not even close. It's Trey at 32%. Nobody else other than Lou is above 19%, and Cam's at 24% usage. And in, like, there's just no reason why that should be that way. For a guy who will not pass or can't make the pass. I mean, he has a 5.5% assist rate this season, which is like, would be bad for a center. Basically. He has the same assist rate as Capella. What, what was his assist rate to previous years? Like, was it this bad? Like, it... uh, no, it wasn't quite. I'm looking at his numbers now. Cam, you know, coming into this, this season, he, I think had almost as many turnovers as, as assists in his career. Uh, he had more, yeah, actually had more turnovers than assists in his career, but his assist rate is down um, even from previous years. So it was 8% as a rookie, 7% last year and five and a half percent now. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. Capella is a terrible passer for really anyone, but he's just a bad passer. Uh, and Capella has the same assist rate as, as Cam right now. Um, so, I mean, look at it this way. Look, it's Capella, it's Cam, it's DeAndre Hunter. I was going to say, Hunter's, oh, by the way, here, here's a sneaky one that doesn't get talked about. Hunter's assist rate is lower than Cam's. Brad, I've been talking about it. I know you have. I've been I've been screaming at the mountaintops for DeAndre to pass the ball. Like he has to just pass it. Like he can't get the ball, dribble, 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 make an advantage. The double team comes. I'm going to shoot over three guys. What are you doing? I'm I'm, I'm not asking. Like again, I'm not asking him to turn into LeBron James here. Can I can I get can I get above your center, please? Can you please pass more than your center who cannot pass at all, <laughs> has zero ball skills, please? Like, it's been such a killer for this team that those two guys who play all the small forward minutes don't pass. Well, and, Hunter, and Hunter was passing a lot more. Like he's never been, you know, as a prospect, he was not supposed to be a great playmaker. I think that's probably not really going to be his game ever. 
But last year, especially early on, when he was having that little breakout, he had a 10% assist rate, which is not high. That's what I'm saying. But that's, that's what fine. I'm saying, Brad. Like, he's got he's to get back. He's got to get back to playing his game. And I, I feel like a lot of it is he's just not getting to the rim like he was. He's not getting the same separation that he was earlier. He might still be recovering for his knee injury. I'm like, okay. So why are you forcing the issue? Can you stop forcing the issue? Oh, I know why. Because he's playing for his contract. We got two guys playing for the contract, right? DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. And it's it's less noticeable with DeAndre because DeAndre is a better shot maker. But it's well, and, he, not and, he, and he's making threes. I mean, Hunter Hunter's two point shooting is back down to, to like his rookie level. It's just that he's making threes so far. Um, and even still, his efficiency is down. So. You know what you can't. I'm, to your point, I, I agree with you overall. I mean, he's not getting to the free throw line, like DeAndre. No, I mean, I mean no, nobody, nobody, nobody is. To be fair, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, the combination of not getting to the line and Reddish has gotten the line a little bit more this year, so credit to him on that um, compared to his previous baseline. But the two of them, if you combine it, are not generating free throws and they're not um, making two point shots and they're not passing. And that those three things combined, even if you make threes, and by the way. It's crazy because if you combine Hunter Reddish from three, it's like 40%. And imagine if they weren't making threes. And I don't, I don't think either of them are what they currently are at three-point range. You know, Cam shooting 39% from three. I would get, I would bet on that going down if I had to choose. Hunter is shooting 41.5% from three. I bet on that going down if I had to choose. So I do think that they're going to get better at the other stuff. You know, um, for instance, like Reddish uh, – Hunter's not going to average 0.7 assists per game, I don't think, this season. But, you know, there's going to be some trade-off. It's not going to all just be pluses. You're going to probably lose some of the three-point shooting that's been happening so far. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll gladly take percentage points off my three-point percentage if they're going to play some team basketball. Like, I'm not even asking them to be the guy to get the assist. They've got to have better process with what they're shot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a team, too. As a team, too. I mean, the process is up. I mean, I talked about it forever. I was going to ask you, like, do you care about, like, the shot profile stuff? Because that was been a huge storyline. I know I brought it up a ton, and it suddenly got, you know, a lot of, lot of attention because they were taking so many mid-rangers, and I was yelling about it for, like, a week before I actually caught on. You know, some of that's Trey. Some of that's Hunter and Reddish. Some of that is, you know, even Lou and Bogey. But, like, their shot profile isn't good either, in addition to the – lack of ball movement in the process stuff. Oh, by the way, this is the last thing I'll say, and we'll, we'll go back to you. The Hawks are currently number five in the NBA in three-point shooting. If I said that before the season started, if I told you the Hawks were a top-five team in three-point percentage, and then I also said that they're only 15th in offensive rating, like, how did that happen? I mean, the Hawks, the Hawks were not that good as a three-point shooting team last year, and they still managed to be a top-ten offense. Um, last season, for the full season, this includes the late run later, they were 12th in three-point shooting. So they were a little bit a little bit above average, but nothing great. And they were a top-ten offense. Now they're shooting better on threes, but their offense is worse, and that means the process is worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they do have the three-point shooting talent to be a good three-point shooting team. So Agreed. Not, like, them being fifth in, in percentage is fine. Isn't that I'd like them to take more three-pointers. Um, it, but it's that it's a double, it's tough, right? A lot of these guys are working three point shooters outside of Bogey and Gallo. Um, 
Like, if Trey Young's not in a rhythm from three point range, he'll just stop taking three pointers all day in the game. And like, he's our high volume three point taker outside of Bowie. So that's one guy. John Collins, he's just pure catch and shoot from three, um, but he takes enough for what he for everything else he does. He also takes mid ranges, but he's such a great. I mean, he doesn't miss shots, so it's like, you know, to me. I don't have a problem with John Collins taking whatever shot he wants. Kevin Herter found a rhythm taking more mid-range shots. That's just a thing that happened for him. Like, he got him going. He got him to, to play more more aggressive basketball uh, late last year. So him taking mid-rangers is just going to be a natural flow of things. I don't know. I think they would take less mid-rangers if they had somebody other than Trey Young that could consistently get to the rim last. That is one of the if, questions. If you want to sure. talk about what the issue is, other than Trey Young, nobody else on this team can drive to the rim. And so until they get somebody else on this team that can get to the rim consistently and have court, they're going to take mid-range jump. That's just the nature of it. No, they're you're right. And just to, to back you up and on like that. We, we, can, we, can compl- like we can complain about the mid-range shot taking, but it's like, you know. They're taking too many still, but I actually think you're right. They're taking too many, and that's why most of what my most of what I've said about the mid rangers that I'd rather have them shoot threes, and that's because of what you said is true. They don't have the guys to get to the rim right now. They are 26th in the league in rim frequency, um, and that is you know that's down from last year. Last year they were middle of the pack, um, and part of that was you know Capella was more of a factor, etc. But you know they don't have the guys to get downhill. You know Hunter. You know hopefully they're at least they're hoping that Hunter will be able to do that at some point. We saw that a little bit last year early in the season, but other than Collins um, and of course Trey, they don't have. You know Bogey's not a, is not a rim pressure guy. Neither is Herder. Neither is Cam right now. Um, and because of that, I've kind of accepted that they're not going to be this great rim pressure team. And that's why I'd, I'd rather have them shoot more threes just because if there's a clearer path to just shooting more threes than there is to taking more shots at the rim, if that makes sense. Yeah, but it's like these are worse shot attempts, though, from three. I mean, Whereas yeah, they, they are. The they are. You're right. They, these are open jumpers they're taking from the mid-range by and large. Most Except most of them are. I mean, they're, 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 they're definitely I mean, yeah, more. They're, like I said, Brad, they're rhythm shooters. Like, this is a like team of rhythm shooters, right? That's like true. They're guys who need to get into their handle to get to their spots and rise up. Like, that's just the nature of this team. Like, they're not a Lynn Bogdanovich. Who's just and a like, – yeah, Cam he can Red- shoot from anywhere. Yeah. And, like, Cam Reddish – if Cam Reddish would lean more into how – it's so if Cam would lean more into <laughs> how he played at Duke, where he was just firing threes because he couldn't dribble – He'd be such a. He'd be well, so much better. The problem is he can't. He still can't dribble. If we're being honest, that's that's he, fine. He can't dribble. Come so, off the screen. Come come off these pin down screens, like you did at Duke. He's done it before. This is the best he's looked off of catch and shoot. He'll oh, do it every he, once in a while. He looks good. He'll on do it every once in a while where he'll give the ball up, sprint to the corner, get open. And he had one last team. night. Delon Wright. Had, it looks right, and it's like it looks right. Like, do that more than one time a game. Do that every time. Every time you're down the floor, hunt three-pointers, bro. That's the your last time, to be. by the way. If you want to be the basketball player that you think you can be, and I think everybody thinks you have the talent for, do it 
by shooting threes, man. The oh, last time the that though. the last time this team took more, uh, more, more a higher percentage of their shots from the mid range than they have so far this year was twenty twelve, which is a different league basically. That was like pre-revolution of three-point shooting. So essentially, they're taking 39% of their shots away from the rim and inside the arc. And I understand that they do have guys that can make those shots. Trey is a guy who can make that shot at a high enough level. Gallo is a guy that makes you know, Gallo, Bogdanovich, Herter. Those guys are proven to be pretty good in that range. So it's not like you can't... I'm not expecting them to take no mid-rangers. But the ones that you got to get rid of are the DeAndre Hunter three-dribble pull-up 19-footer or the Cam Reddish, you know, turnaround step back 19-footer. Or, you know, th- those are the ones that you just can't have as many of. Um, you know, yeah, if it's Lou Williams, it's Lou Williams. If he's going if, if to be out there, he's going to shoot 18-footers. It's just it's, 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 it's going to happen. But there's a trade-off there. Like last year, they took a lot of, two, they took a lot of mid-rangers last, last season, particularly under McMillan. But they were 11th in the league in mid-range attempts. And they took 32% of their shots from there. That's still a pretty good chunk. But that's a lot less than what they're doing this year from yeah, one to Yeah, I mean, we have to assume this is going to regress, right? I think so. Like, we have to assume. Like, I, I think once Bogey gets in the form and he starts firing away at the three-point rate that, we're, that you know, he had been the last couple of years, not even his breakout second half of the season, if we get that Bogey back, I'd expect that number to go. Like, they're never going to. They're never going to be like they're not going to be the Houston Rockets, James Harden. Not with not with how Trey Young plays basketball. No, it's they're not. not. It's not happening, and they're not going to be the Golden State Warriors. They don't have the passes for it. No, they don't but have they the do roster for the, either one of those things. Yeah, but they do have the talent to be. They should be have better processes, and it it's just been bad. Um, ideally, like a big issue right now is that Capella's just not causing enough damage as a roller. Like, he's just not, like, he's not putting enough pressure as a roller sucking in the defense. Um, it's noticeable because when John Collins does it, like, he's all hands on deck and, like, it's just easier for them to get cleaner looks and three. Uh, but, you know, that, that goes back to, like, Capella's got to play better. Um, and so hopefully he does that. You know, it feels like with, and this is where my point, I'm like, hey, Jalen Johnson's a full court player. They could use somebody who would grab a rebound and push the fast break and get an open three-pointer for somebody or, you know, take it all the way to the rim and dunk it. Like, instead of having to always do everything in the half court, like, just – it's just a thought. I know – I know I know his flaws. Like, you know, I watch the G League games. It's the same issues that he had at Duke where it's just too many possessions where he's giving up easy stuff that can't happen. Like, he – he has to be more grounded um, as a defender, um, and he should be. Uh, but he might not be in. I mean, he might not be in the best of shape um, right now. He's not. He's not in as good a shape this day as he was in some of it. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, there's. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I would be interested to see what it looked like playing him. Uh, and I think early on in the year, like for instance, the other night where. You know, especially when Gallo was out, it was like, all right, you know, it'll be a good time to play Jalen Johnson right now when Gallo's not here. Like, I think last night, if they had known like, that the they game, were gonna, if they would, right. if they had known the that, game, they, that they weren't gonna have Hunter and those guys, that would have been a good night to play him. But he wasn't there. 
Yeah, uh, the game against the Pistons when you know you were going to beat that team by twenty points, regardless of how poorly you were going to play. That should have been the night Jalen Johnson got heavy minutes. It's like a home, that, yeah, it's a home game. He was dressed, not, all that stuff. That was that was not excusable. Um, and the we'll thing see. is, I, I don't get bothered by it. I, I think you know people. I understand wanting to see him, and I was saying this back in the preseason that I was being realistic and knowing who's coaching this team and listening to what he is saying, and Nate has been very, very, very clear that they're not about development anymore. He said it probably 10 times. I was telling people the entire time to be ready that he was not going to play. And I mean, I understood it. Jalen Johnson, I mean, he came into camp, but he wasn't playing well. In preseason, he wasn't playing well. And even in G League, he's not playing well. Like, he made some shots the second game. He was hot in the first half of the second game on Sunday, yeah. Yeah, he's still not, you know, he's not what he was during summer. Like, if if we were talking about summer league day, absolutely. That guy hasn't been available yet. So until he shows up, (laughs) he's not going to play in Nate's eyes. uh, So, like, that's just, um, you know, that's the thing. Like, Tariq Cooper, man, I – you know, <laughs> laws and all, I get it. But you need somebody to get into the teeth of the defense and make the right pass. That's somebody who can do it. I mean, but to me, like, I wouldn't take away Dylan Wright's minutes because Sharif Cooper is playing. But that'd be like, okay, who I'm going to sit? I'm like, I'm going to sit Cam Reddish until he decides he wants to play uh, real basketball instead of this nonsense he's still doing. Like, right, he came down the court. The Hawks are trying to come back in this game. They're getting good shot. Like they 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 got lucky some with some foul calls and some bad shot making, but they're back into the game now. He comes down the court and he settles for this like it's this fast break opportunity in which John Collins is running the floor. He's a bit of head of the defense. If 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 he just either passes the ball up or you know, dribbles to the three-point line to let John Collins settle down so he can get a post-up opportunity. They probably get a good look. Instead, he just tries to be the first guy down, does, isn't the first guy down. So instead, he settles for this, like, 17-footer fadeaway uh, with, like, 19 seconds on the shot clock. And, like, your big men are running full speed to get down the floor to get an easy fast break opportunity and you take that shot it's like well they're not gonna run back like you just you just cooked us like that's i'm like what are you and it's too much of that like there's too many times when he does stuff like that i gotta dribble by two guys or i'm gonna dribble by this man with a high dribble and get my stuff ripped like it keeps happening because your your handle's just not solid like um but yeah like cam just uh cam's just got to this is not play team ball. Like, I, I mean, I can talk about this as the cows go home. But, I mean, that's not – it's killing them. And, uh, and like, it's it's the thing where, like, right now they have better options than Cam Reddish, but they're going to play them. They just are. So, yeah, I mean, that's the good take. And that's why I haven't talked about it a what? lot. And, Brad, like, it's, it's another thing. Like, how much of what DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish are doing right now is – from the behest of management because they want to showcase them for a trade. Like, you know, these are things. <laughs> I mean, less so DeAndre Hunter, but a lot with Cam Reddish. Like, how much of what, what the Hawks are doing with Cam Reddish is them showcasing 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's at least plausible. It is plausible. Um, I don't know. I guess before we get out of here, I wanted to make sure I asked you, like, has uh, overall, I guess, has anything that you've seen, like, scared you enough to think that they're going to, like, just not be good this year? Like, are, I mean, they're 4-8 right now. The losses are banked. That's the one unfortunate part is that even if, even if you think this is sort of a mirage, you have eight losses. And that's going to matter. You know, it's it's kind of hard for me to see them being the number one seed now. It's not impossible. But, like, that was a, an outcome that I thought was at least possible coming into the season. You know, them winning, like, really I mean. blown opportunity to be the one seed. Yeah, and that's, and that's why I'm bringing it up. So, like, yeah. I don't think that you're going to – I mean, you can correct me. I don't think you're going to say that they're going to miss the playoffs or anything like now, but um, what's what's the damage? Like, what do you actually think is going to happen from this point forward now, knowing what we've seen so far through 12 games? Um, the damage, I don't know. It's still too early for any of this. This team has a talent to run off like 15 wins in a row. Yeah. I think it's that. I mean, that, let, let's be real here. They didn't all just stop being good basketball players, like, but they're just not being good basketball players at the same time right now. And that's what's leading to these bad, like a lot, like, I mean, the 39% number, they're selling from memory. They're selling because they're not there physically. Like, outside of Collins and Trey, these guys just aren't right. And it's leading to bad outcomes because it's just easier mentally to take these shots instead of working harder for better looks. So, you know, we got to see until, until they, they get just, they just got to get, as a team, as a collective, they just got to get there physically. Hopefully they do that sometime soon. Like, they don't have they don't have infinite time, but they do have some time. Uh, they do have some time to turn it around. We've seen them turn it around before. No reason to think they can't do it again. And the, the good news is that their contemporaries are also struggling with some some of the similar issues. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the positives is, like, you know, nobody's running away in the East right now. Um, you know, Brooklyn's not been quite the team that we might have thought that they might be. Milwaukee's been banged up. Um, you know, my, right now, at this moment as we're recording on Wednesday early evening, it's a three-way tie for first, but it's Miami, Chicago, and Washington. And, I mean, Miami's probably going to be pretty good. I'm not afraid at all of Chicago or Washington. Um, Philly's 8-4, and four, but they have all kinds of issues. Like, Yes, you're four and eight, but nobody's eleven and one and running away with this thing. So that's a positive. Yeah, and they also haven't. I mean, the only team they played is the Wizards, and they beat. You know, they went one and one. They should have. They should never lose to a Wizards team without rim protection. But, you know, they got run in that game too. The first game against that Washington. Was, that was just. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We we could talk forever, but I feel like that's. I, mean, a, I don't know the Miami Heat. Like, we'll we'll see with them. I mean, they're playing well. They are. It's it's sunshine and rainbows now, but like, you know, they haven't really faced the. the yeah, I'm not. I'm not the biggest believer. I was lower on them coming into the year, and I, I could be wrong for sure. They've looked, they've looked <laughs> they looked good. Kyle, Kyle Lowry's clearly been a different player. I yeah. mean, that that was expected. Well, and, he, and Hero's been good. I'm, and I'm I'm not I'm not a hero guy, but he has been legitimately good this year. So, um, we'll see. Get him, but, getting him in a, into a more defined role has helped them. Yeah, more there, there you go. Basketball. The role he was born for, sixth man. I I wonder if if um, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish could like you know learn from Higgins' example and maybe just <laughs> play to their strengths. Full circle. Instead of trying to do those two are just doing too much on offense and not enough on defense. Like, can, 
that's uh, I would I would agree with you on on both of those things, and hopefully I, I still think that they're gonna this Hawks team. I get the worry from fans. I get the frustration. Um, I think that they should be better than they've been so far. Um, they also, I, I think I've, you know, maybe I would pick them for a few less wins now just because they have already banked eight losses. But in terms of team quality, I don't really feel much different. Like nothing that's happened player for player has really dissuaded me from thinking the same thing that I thought preseason. The only caveat would be is if Capella is not the same guy. And we don't know that. I think, I, you know, last year he started slow. I picked it up. Um, he's the most important of the swing guys in my mind, even with all all the wings, like you have four of them, you would figure that at least two of them will be what they're supposed to be. But Capella, there's just no replacing him. Um, and that's that's the thing there. So if, if, for me, if there is one guy to keep a close, close, close eye on, it is Clint Capella, because if he is not Clint Capella from last season, the, Haw- the Hawks are going to have a hard time on defense. And that's just... Uh... Until Okongwu's back. And yeah, and, and even then, though, back. like, I love Okongwu, but he will have just missed several months uh, yeah. after a short season as a rookie, like you can't expect him to be full go until February. I mean, he might play in January, but yeah. is he going to be himself before the all-star break? I'd probably say no. So that's how a long time. How long, how much of a rope is Nate going to give DeAndre Hunter? Cause like, he'll get a long rope. Yeah. I mean, Hunter, Hunter's a top five pick, he, you know, they're invested in him in a big way. Uh, yeah, but Bogey and Herter work. And like I know, work. and then, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Maybe you could say in terms of starting, maybe that would be the the decision, both for locker room stuff and just you know presenting it all. But um, just just taking into the fact that you know they, w- I would be stunned honestly if they. This is a very simple sim- simple example, but over the last year, I have never once heard DeAndre Hunter associated with any kind of trade rumor or anything. He's like, and yeah, no, and, 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 but I'm saying, I'm saying organizationally, organizationally, they've really been treating him like number two behind Trey in terms of if we're talking to a team dating back to last offseason and into the trade deadline, you know, Collins was more available than Hunter was. I mean, that's not a secret. There was rumors about that. Um, obviously, Cam has been the most available of anybody, but I think that you know that just tells you organizationally what they felt about DeAndre Hunter. Now, Nate and acting during the season and rotations and starting, that, that, that might be different, but in terms of what, what Travis has been saying and what Travis has been doing, I think that they definitely like Hunter and prioritize him. But, you know, listen, if you want to be a pessimist, I'm not saying this is true, but you could say that Hunter's basically only been good for about 15 games in his career so far. I'm not saying that I believe that, but you could certainly say it out loud and be probably not too wrong about it. Like last year, he had that great stretch but as a rookie, he was, you know, just okay. And then he came back last year, wasn't the same guy. And this year, he's not been great so far. So, we'll see. Yeah, but he's been good. In- no, I, he just I still hasn't love been him. consistent. Like, I like know, him a lot. Thing, like, DeAndre Hunter just hasn't been consistent. Yeah. It's not even about – the flashes are still are clearly there in ways they weren't there as rookie year. Like, you still see bits and pieces of the good stuff. And I don't absolutely hate – what he does off the dribble to get into his shot in the mid range. Like, I don't hate it. He can do it. Um, he's just not making them enough right now, but like, he's a good shot maker from that range. And like, I don't hate his issues. I just want him to be more physical on his drive, get to the rim, but also like, 
just make the right read as a passer, like as a as a basketball player. Like he's just not, like I said, right? He's he's really not seeing the field. Like he's, I, I, there's no other way to describe it. Like he can watch, like they can put the film up and just watch. Like he gets, he get he beats his man, but then instead of just making the right play as a passer, he's going up for, you know, tough shots, and it's like he's got to stop doing that. To make his life easier. Like, if teams are just auto doubling when he gets into his dribble package because they know he's not going to pass it. And, like, until that changes from him, like, it, he's just not going to be as good as what, what he should be right now for this team. This team needs him to be better than this. Like, I mean, we were talking about guys talking about him since we're making an all star. Yeah. Like, that's what we were saying. He's that, he's that talented of a guy. He can, he can do that. He can do it. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of a rough start. And, We'll see. I mean, I mean that, that's the thing. That's the frustrating thing. We got a bunch of guys. Clint Capella was all NBA caliber last year. He's been bad. DeAndre Hunter, all star caliber player, bad. Bog Bogey, like mediocre. Like he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been. He ha- he hasn't been nearly at the level of what he was last year. In the second half, like, for sure. Like he was at a different place, and that's I, I try I mean, to find that context all the, the time. Half, even the even the first half before he got. Got hurt. He, the shots weren't going down, but he was shooting like 15 threes a game. Yeah, like he's not—he's not like you—you you watch him off the ball. He's not getting open. Like they—they they try to run stuff for him to get him these pin down screens to get him open, and he's not getting open, Brad. So he's going into his mid range because he can't. He's—he's he's just not beating his guy. You know, running around screens like how he was last year when he was Kyle Korver plus a plus a drill package, like. We need Kyle Corbett plus a drill package from him off the ball to give this offense a bit more juice, put less pressure on Trey Young. Uh, and then they, you know, they need to lean more on John, ideally Stagrom. But uh, I mean, we we talking in circles here, Brad. Like, no, we can overall, we can wrap it. I just I mean, uh... overall, it's, frust- it's frustrating because this, this is these guys are a lot better than this, but it's twelve games and they've all played like crap. Yeah, that's exactly that. That's that's the short version. Like this team is better than this. They have enough talent. They they're relatively healthy still. Knock on wood. Uh, and they put and they play a tough schedule. So th- those three things, um, I, I'm always going to be a little bit higher than people that are panicking and lower than people that are super high. And that's just kind of the way that I think about things. But I, I'm not I'm not terribly worried. There is some stuff to be concerned about, but worry is a different level. Then that's not where I, that's not quite where I am. And uh, you know, the schedule gets a lot easier. They have a bunch of home games come up next week. You can sort of get right there. And listen, I said it yesterday on the show. I'll say it again now. But they play again on Friday. That's a winnable game. You're playing on the road in Denver, yes, but you had, you've had two days off. No Porter Jr., no Murray. Like, you can win that game. They could have beat all these teams. They could have yeah. beat the Suns. They should have beat the Suns. Like They, 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 they should have won the Suns game. I think the, the Warriors were better the than Warriors game, the Warriors game. The Warriors game was tough. Like, I thought they were playing well. Well, they were, they, were, they were 15 points. <laughs> yeah, and then Steph Curry, like, Steph Curry kind of just got into it. Like, he got into the mental. Like, and then just uh, – Well, and, and the Warriors are, like, the one team in the league where, like, you better be keyed. Like, they play a different style than everybody else does. And if you're not dialed in defensively, they're going to make you pay. And they made the That pay. Warriors game was frustrating because they were dialed in. Early, yeah. They were dialed in, right? That goes – that goes back to my, this, this, the mentality of this team. Like it's just they're just not as tough as what they were when they were, when when they were in the playoffs. Just out toughing teams. 
Like this is a this is this is not a very tough basketball team. And why aren't they tough? Because they're not physically there. Like they just aren't there physically. And it's getting to them. That and the referees. Like they <laughs> last thing I I've said it a thousand times, but like they I can complain to the refs all day about how they're calling the game. And it's negatively impacted Trey Young. This is this is without question. And it's not even he stopped he stopped the foul baiting. And honestly, Brad, he needs to double down on foul baiting. Like he just needs to force him to make calls. Because this, what they're doing right now, is letting teams get away with being super physical. I don't know how the hell they missed Joe Ingles tripping Trey Young after he got shook. What what league is this, Brad? What are they doing? Why is why is it only Trey Young? That, that, it's Trey Young and James Harden. They 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 were like, yo, we gotta make an example. Clearly, they decided they're gonna make an example out of those two because they they were pissed about them making you know making fools out of referees. Now they 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 are putting the shoe on the other side of the foot. But like, I have to think at some point they're going to start calling like guys tripping Trey Young with consistency because like he drives to the rim. And teams know they can just be super physical with them because they're not going to get the foul. And, and, and until that changes, like Trey Young's not going to get to the free throw line. But like I, I still think that Trey should probably lean in a bit more, should lean back into foul drawing uh, instead of what he's doing right now, just to settle this team down and maybe give him some hope. Right now, it's like they feel like they're never going to. This team feels like they're never going to get a call, and all the calls are going to go against them. It's like mentally breaking their spirit and like yeah. that needs to change like that just flat out needs to change like they just need to be tougher uh they need to they need to they just gotta they gotta be better like they just have to like they, there's no shit coding it like these guys are making a lot of money now they gotta they, play better they so. do and uh we think they, that they will we think that they will so we'll see um all right Tyler, thank you for all the time my friend uh please Take a second and plug whatever you'd like. I know uh, you're a locked account on the Twitter machine for everybody listening to the podcast, but uh, you watch anything fun? Like any, any any anime you want to share with people? I know people love this segment of the podcast, Brian. I have no idea what you're talking about, but you share right. things. Yeah, you, you can follow me at Jonesy2x4 on Twitter. Um, I I finished the latest season of Attack on Titan. Man, that show was incredible. Sure. Everybody should watch that. Uh, very timely, topical even. Uh, certain certain congressmen tweeted something out about that show. So right. very interesting. If you want to know something about it, like Attack on Titan is a great show for anybody. Um, Even me? Very Even relevant. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Even you. Anybody. Oh. Like, it's very it's very relevant to what's going on in the world today. So uh, I'd give that a watch. But um, uh, currently this season, Jobless Reincarnation, I, I'm still stunned at how incredible this show is. Uh the anime is absolutely unreal. I, you know, they they really love that series, and you can tell by just everything that they're doing for it, based on the storytelling, how they're telling the story, how they're how they're telling the story without saying anything, just by background information, by scenery, by art, um, how characters are acting without talking. Like it's just it's just a great watch. Can't recommend it enough. But uh, other than those two. I don't know, man. I'm just trying to fight through the through the struggle right now. Uh, I, I uh, personally, uh, I messed up my back at the gym the other day, <laughs> and that's been a pain. Uh, 
I, I have stuff I need to be getting done and I can't do it because my back hurts. So uh, hopefully I'll feel better. But um, other than that, you can again follow me at Jonesy2x4. Um, everybody should watch Attack on Titan. It's one of the greatest shows ever made. Like, there you dude. go. Clear, clearly and, uh, and definitively. Uh, Navin, thank you as always for the, all of the time. Hopefully people uh, enjoyed the show and the discussion and I'm sure we'll have you back in the very near future. Uh, the Hawks play again on Friday and I'll be back after, the, after that game with the podcast following Hawks Nuggets. Subscribe, follow Tyler on Twitter, follow me if you'd like to and uh, that'll do it for today. So we'll see you next time.